You are listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 89. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should do. Hello, hello, everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, educator, and wealth advisor, and it is great to be with you today. Thank you for listening to this episode number 89 of the Best in Wealth Podcast. And today's episode is Your Life is the Best Benchmark. We're going to get into that in just a couple of minutes. But first, we are in a season right now, a season of behavioral finance. Because if we can understand ourselves a little bit, it may be something we can control. And when it comes to investing, we ought to pay attention to the things we can control rather than all the things that we do spend time worrying about, which is the things we cannot control. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that we are in a season here and we're up to rule number five. Well, in Dr. Daniel Crosby's book, it would be rule number six of the book, The Wall, The Walls, The Laws of Wealth, The Psychology and Secret to Investing Success. I mean, shoot, don't you want to know the secrets to investing success? I sure do. And if you're a first-time listener, and you're listening on one of your favorite podcast app, go back, listen to the other four rules, which is episode 84, 85, 86, and 88, because now we are in episode number 89, ever closer to getting to episode number 100, which I never thought I'd ever get to. And if I wouldn't skip weeks, I'd get there a lot quicker because I missed last week. Time management got the best of me and I missed last week. It makes me feel horrible, but I'm sure y'all are probably okay with what's going on. Let me tell you, though, what's frustrating the heck out of me right now. We're in the process of building a house and it's just not getting done on our time frame. We want it to be done by the end of this month, and it, which uh, incidentally is August right now. If you're uh, listening, you may be listening to this months in advance. Who knows? Since it's a podcast, you can download it at will whenever you want. So we wanted the house to be done at the end of the month and it turns out it may not be done until the middle of October. And since the market was so good around here on selling houses, I sold my house way too far in advance. And now we have to be out at the end of the month. So we're so frustrated that we have to find temporary temporary living and we just want to get into our stinking house. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about building abundance in, in our cornerstones. And, and one, one of my goals, one of my, my personal goals is because my, my dad was a home builder and I used to work for him growing up, I always wanted to build my own house. But I got to think though, 
Is it is it really worth getting so mad about it taking an extra six weeks to get my house finished? Is that going to be the end of the world? Do I need to use precious stress on this? Or should I just be happy that I'm in a position to be able to build a house in the first place? These these are the little things. So I keep having to go back and, and remind myself that things could be a whole lot worse. I mean, I could be going through real stuff right now. My family or a family member could be extremely ill. We could be thrown out on the streets or something because my wife and I lost our jobs. Like, those are real things. Not getting a house done on time? Well, that's not really a big thing at all. So let's try and concentrate this week on trying not to let the little things stress us out. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. Your life is the best benchmark. So we're on rule five, like I talked about already in Dr. Daniel's book. And he always starts out with a quote. And the quote in this chapter is from a guy named H.L. Mencken. And he said, a wealthy man is one who earns $100 more than his wife's sister's husband. Let that sink in for just a little bit. My kids, they love watching YouTube videos. I like them too. I use YouTube videos to fix stuff around the house. Heck, I had my washer torn apart twice now in the last year. And I put the thing back together and it works. But the only reason it works is because I like to look at things. And when I'm watching a YouTube video, I can watch somebody fix the washer or fix whatever my problem is, and I understand. I can follow the steps then. When I'm just reading directions, I have a much more difficult time. So YouTube videos has saved me literally hundreds of dollars fixing my washer. Uh, I'm selling my house right now, and one of the drain stoppers needed to get replaced, and there's a little lever in the back that causes it to go up and down, and I didn't know how to replace that thing, but boom, YouTube video fixed all that. Well, you know, my kids, they're not watching those kinds of videos. They watch videos about how to make slime. You have children, it's the big craze right now, making slime. They love watching morning routines of other kids getting up and eating breakfast and getting dressed and brushing their teeth like the morning routines for some reason is a big thing. And recently I watched my little Eva watch a girl on Christmas morning open up her presents. And let me tell you, that made me look look really bad because this kid, this girl, had like a hundred presents she was opening up and every single one was worth a whole bunch of money. But what I learned in this chapter, what Dr. Daniel taught me, is that there's something called mirror neutrons in us. The long story short is when my kid is watching a video of somebody opening presents, she, it's act, she actually feels like she's opening up the gifts on some level. Can you believe that? And you know that got me thinking that maybe next Christmas I won't get any presents for him at all. I'll just, I'll just turn on a YouTube video of somebody else opening presents. 
since it's kind of like the same thing. That's what these are. They're, they're mirror neutrons, though. Just this week, I was at a funeral, and it was, it was devastating to a lot of people. This was a great, great woman. But it was most devastating to her husband, to her children, of which I was not one. And I watched them, them cry. And when I walked up to them to give hugs, it, it made me cry too. Mirror neutrons. In other words, called social mimicry. It allows somebody to have empathy. I mean, the gift of empathy is great. In my example of the funeral I was at this week, well, that's one side of the spectrum. The other side of the spectrum is, is in a comedy show. I mean, we've all watched comedies before. Have you ever, you know, you hear whenever there's a joke, you hear a laughing track. That's often not people in the audience actually laughing. It is a laughing track. Somebody hits a button and there's a audio of people laughing. And why in the heck do they do that? Because mirror neutrons, social mimicry causes us to laugh more. Isn't that just crazy? <laughs> I mean, it's totally crazy to me. But how, how great is it, though, that we're given the gift of empathy to share in grief, to be there for someone, and really to laugh with someone, too? But here's my point in all of this. I mean, we're over 10 minutes into this podcast and and I haven't talked about investing yet. And my point of all this is as investors, these, these mirror neutrons, this social mimicry, well, it can be used against us. And it is a lot in investing. Why, you ask? Because we're so stinking concerned with keeping up with others instead of just providing for our own needs. We're always trying to keep score. In sports, we keep score to see who wins the game. There's certain rules to make it fair. What about investing? How, how do we keep score with our investments? It's usually done by looking at the news. And what does the news give us about our investments? It talks about the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones or the NASDAQ. And for those that don't know, the Dow Jones is made up of 30 U.S. stocks. That's it. The S&P 500 is made up of 500 stocks, U.S. stocks. And that's it. So when we look at how our investments are doing, what do we do? We compare it to what we see on the news, the Dow Jones or the S&P. When really, though, if if we want to have a well-diversified portfolio, we should be in 10,000, 12,000 different stocks or different companies represented in many, many, many different countries so we can have the gift of diversification. And that portfolio looks nothing like the S&P 500. Sure, you have those 500 companies too, but if you have a well-diversified portfolio, you have another 10,000 companies as well. And sometimes a stock portfolio made up of 10,000 companies does better than the S&P 500, and sometimes it does worse. But it shouldn't be your scorecard. The rules are different between your portfolio and the S&P 500, and certainly the Dow that's only made up of 30 stocks. 
Here's another way that people keep score. You hear somebody, you're both in the same 401k. Guy in the cube next to you opens up a statement and says, geez, I'm up 10% this year. And you look over at your 401k, you open it up thinking you're up 10% and you're only up 6%. You quietly fold that piece of paper back up because you you don't want to be the one saying you're only up six percent you're keeping score but then you're asking questions and if you have an advisor looking over your portfolio you pick up the phone and you say why is my portfolio only up six percent and the guys next to me is up ten percent what are you doing wrong and there could be just a thousand different reasons And a lot of times it has to do with risk level. Maybe the guy in the cube next to you can handle more risk than you. Maybe the guy in the cube next to you, his portfolio was made up of all stocks. Well, for most of us listening to this podcast, we do not want all of our 401k money or IRA money in stocks. We want to be further diversified in some short-term bonds. So if we have 75% of our money in stocks and only 25 in bonds and stocks are doing well this year, we won't be doing as good as the guy next to us that has all his money in stocks. But here's the kicker. You don't want to be the guy in the cube next to you because when we do go through our next correct our next correction or recession, that's going to be the portfolio, the guy in the cube next to you that's going to, the bottom's going to drop out on him. And if he, if, if his risk level isn't aligned, he's going to sell at the worst possible time. There are reasons why somebody else might be up 10% and you're only up 6%. But for that same person, when you go through the next recession and you figure out that your portfolio is down 10% and his is down 30, well, now you know exactly why you're in the portfolio that you're in. Because you're different than the person next to you. I'm, I'm using this new software right now. It's called Riskalyze. Great software. And if we look at a scale between 1 and 100 of risk, and the higher the number, the higher your risky portfolio. Well, the S&P 500 right now sits at a 78. That's very, very risky. Most people would have a hard time being in the S&P 500 during the next recession. If I remember my numbers correctly, the S&P 500 during 2008 lost almost 40%. Worse than that, from peak to trough, because really the recession started in 2007 to the low point after The first quarter of 2009, the S&P 500 was down over 50%. I mean, what if you had a million dollars in your portfolio during the Great Recession? At one point, you lost over half of your money. Your million dollars is now less than a half a million. Is that your risk level? Probably not. And what the software does is two things. It establishes what your risk number is. Maybe it's 78, maybe it's 50, maybe it's 25. And then you dump your 
portfolio that you have right now and see if it aligns with what your risk level is. Because if your risk level is a 50 and you're in a portfolio that's an 80, that's a big problem. And vice versa as well. Your benchmark is never the S&P or the Dow. Your benchmark is a blend over all the different asset classes and all the different sectors and all the different countries based on the weight that you are in each of these sectors in each of these asset classes in each of these countries. Do not look at the S&P 500. And lastly, on this topic, and what Dr. Daniel stressed in his book is it's not about the S&P. It's not even about your blended benchmark. It's about goals-based investing. Do not be concerned with keeping up with others. Instead, be concerned with providing for your own needs. You may have a risk level of 50. But what if you could achieve everything long-term that you needed to with a risk 40? Why are you taking extra risk? It's because you may not know what your goals are. You may not know what your long-term cornerstones are, what you need to fill up in these cornerstones. And that's why in these episodes, I always go back to the comprehensive financial plan. Figure out what you're investing for and then invest your money. And when we go through the next recession, if we can mentally label your long-term money for your financial freedom, And we go through the next recession and we look at your plan and we see how does this recession affect this long-term plan? And really, it doesn't affect it at all if you're years away from retirement because the market will come back or it should come back or at least it always has in the past. It goes down, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, but it gives you an average level of return over the long term. Let me give you three things to think about and ask yourself and do. We can have some action steps coming out of this episode. Number one, I want you to worry less about the economy and worry more about your economy. Worry less about the economy and worry more about your economy. Because when you see this next recession or when you see bad news, and we always see bad news, let's think, is this affecting my economy, my long-term goals? And the answer, more often than not, is probably not. Number two, ask yourself this. Does the news matter to me and my personal situation? When you hear bad stuff in the news, how is this affecting your personal situation? If we can separate the news and our goals, we will be a whole lot better off. And number three, I want you to mentally build buckets within your money. So anything that's long-term, we don't need to worry about the next recession or the next correction because the money is for the long-term, not the short-term. Any short-term money you have most likely shouldn't be in the market in the first place. And that's why we assign our money with buckets. I hope this helps you. I hope 
that this season of learning more about ourselves will help you in your long-term investing. That's what my goal is here, is to make us all better investments, better investors, I should say, but better investors controlling the things we can control and not the things we can't. We cannot control where the, where the market is headed or where the economy is or will be, but we can control our own emotions. Hey, my time is up. Have a great, great week, and I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, everyone. The Best in Wealth podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.